Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. This is episode 99, Counting Off. And this is a topic that I have tried to... um, impress upon my private lesson students over the years as to how important and how helpful this can be to understand the whole concept of counting off and how it can help make better music. So here's how it typically went at a lesson. You know, I'd have a student there and, you know, maybe we're working on some song and I've maybe I've got my guitar and they've got their banjo or their mandolin or something. I say I show them how to play it, and then I say, "Okay, now let's play it together." Let me grab my guitar, and here we go. Are you ready? He nods, yes. I go one, two, one, two, and I start, and he doesn't start. So I say, "Okay, okay, you're going to come in on." Two. So I'm going to give you a two freebies. I'm going to go one, two, one, two. On the on that two, that's when you start. Got it? Okay. And I'll say, see right here in the tablature. See, it's a one, two, one. Right there. You got those two notes, and then the tune starts. So, so those two notes are your little lead in. And I show them this. And I'm like, here we go. One, two, one. Da, 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 and they start, and they play it, and it sounds fine. Then I say to them, okay, now you count it off. And they just sit there and look at me like, are you crazy? No, seriously, you count it off. I want you to know how to count them off. So I got into this thing of forcing my students that whenever we played together, I'd make them count it off. And so they might go one, two, boom, and start playing. But they're supposed to start playing on two, not on one. So let's stop. Let's think about this. You want to go one, two, one, two, and one. Got it? Now you do it. And, you know, maybe they get it, maybe they don't. But I would just keep on working with this. And the reason I think this is so important is because... Many songs begin with a little lead-in phrase, or and that's a very short time span. You might not even have any lead-in notes, and it's also what you might call a kickoff. Hey, the fiddle player is going to kick it off. Well, that do at the top, that's the first downbeat of the song. So everybody else who's playing with that fiddle player has got to figure out the tempo. And that's not, you know, you got to have, you got to really be listening and you got to be pretty perceptive to time values to be able to come in on the downbeat and then progress at the exact speed that he kicked it off. And I'll admit, people get better at this over time the more they play. But what the count-off does 
is it gives you some freebies before the music starts. It establishes the tempo, the intended tempo of the song, the speed, if, if you will, before the music starts, even before the kickoff. Because if you just start with a kickoff or a lead-in, and then you're into the song, that's a very short, well, it could be miles long, but it's typically just a handful of notes that leads into the song, and it doesn't give the group much time to get that tempo established in their mind. But if I count it off beforehand, like instead of going da 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 and, and that's how the whole thing starts, where the whole band has da-da-da-da-da-dum to figure out the tempo. I could do it like this. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, da-da-da-da-da-da-dum. All those extra freebies, those, all that counting really helps you establish the tempo in your mind before any music starts. So that's why it's helpful. The other thing that a count-off does is it sort of establishes where the downbeat is. And the downbeat, I think of the downbeat as the first beat in a first full measure of a song. So if you had a tune like Will the Circle Be Unbroken, the will, the, those are lead-in notes, will, the, sir, and when you hit circle, you're on the first beat of a full measure of time. Well, the sir, so sir is the first major downbeat of the entire song. And we want everybody to come in together there. Typically, the lead-in is played by one instrument. So the fiddle's going to kick it off. The banjo's going to kick it off. Hey, dobro player, why don't you kick it off? And so they play these little notes alone, and then the band is supposed to come in, boom, together on the downbeat. That means the bass player is going to hit his note. It means the guitar player is going to hit his first bass note. The mandolin player is not going to hit it, but he's going to think it, and then he's going to play the first offbeat. Well, how is he going to play the first offbeat when he doesn't know how far apart those downbeats are spaced? You know, if you're going 60 beats a minute, the downbeats are spaced one second apart. That means the, the first mandolin chop will come at the half-second mark. Well, how's he going to know that when no beats have gone by yet? All he heard was the first beat. Uh, for example, if I challenged you, okay, what speed is this song? One. You don't have enough information to go on. One beat does not define a tempo. Two beats will define a tempo. So if I go one, two, all you have to do is have the space between one and two in your mind, and you will know where the next beat will come. One, two, one, two, one, two. So we're establishing a spacing. If you were building, you'd be saying something like, well, this is how long each brick is. Each brick is whatever, eight inches long. And we want them more or less to be all the same throughout the song. 
So the tempo is being established by the kickoff, the little lead-in. It is being established, but it's very short. So if you give those freebies at the beginning a little bit of counting off, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, duh, and then everybody plays, gives people more time to get that tempo established. I'm going to relate an experience that I've had multiple times over the years at jam sessions, and it's mostly at jam sessions. It doesn't occur that much in rehearsed bands, which I'll, I'll come back to later. But at jam sessions, many, many times, somebody says, hey, why don't you play that old uh, whatever, sitting on top of the world? And then, well, who's going to kick it off? Brad, why don't you kick it off? And I say, okay, all right, I'll play it. But they don't know what speed or what tempo I'm going to play it at. They may all have have played it for years at 108 beats per minute. They've been playing together for years, and I just walked in the door. Well, I don't know where they play it. And the band I played it in played it at 135, approximately. We like to burn it up. Maybe they don't. Well, how do I know what tempo should I go at? Well, it's sort of up to me. If they're going to hand it to me and say, you kick it off, that is a privilege. The kickoff person establishes the tempo. Whatever that kickoff person does, that's it. Boys, if you didn't want to play it that fast, you shouldn't have asked me to kick it off. Or you should have said, hey, Brad, Kick this thing off, and if I had any sense, I would say, "Well, uh, you know, how fast do you you know you want it?" And they might go, "You know, about like one, two, one." And then I'll go, "Okay, got it. One, two, one, do do do." And I play the kick off, and it's right in their little tempo. But my point here is, everybody plays these tunes at different speeds. They have preconceived notions of how the song should go, and part of how the song should go is how fast it should go. And, of course, everybody always wants the song to be at the perfect tempo for them. You know, if you're a real speedy picker, you like to play fast. If you're not so fast, you like to play it slower. So let's say you're that, you know, beginner slash intermediate, and you show up at a jam session, and they look at you, and they say, Hey, uh, what do you want to do there, Billy Bob? And you say, well, I could uh, I could play that old Joe Clark. How about that? And they go, yeah, that's great. Kick it off. They're letting you kick it off, so you're going to set the tempo. And you want to set the tempo that is advantageous to yourself. In other words, don't kick it off faster than you can play it. I've seen this a lot of times, too. Uh, they'll say, what do you want to play? And you say, old Joe Clark. And then they turn to someone else and say, kick it off. And Sam kicks it off at 400,000 miles an hour and leaves you in the dirt. So it's, you know, generally good jam session protocol that if you're going to let somebody call a tune, you're going to let them kick it off and establish the tempo. But this establishment of tempo, and sorry about this squeaking stool, I've been uh, temporarily, I've evicted myself from the house for the recording of this episode. I'm actually 
recording this directly on my iPod. I'm not for this episode. I did not set up the mixer and the microphone and the computer and all that stuff. I'm doing this kind of in a quick and dirty fashion. But uh, my wife and son got back from New York from their Christmas visit up there, and Jackson came home with strep throat. Went to the doctor and got the medicine, and you know he's gulping down the pink medicine. Well, two days later, my wife has strep throat. So she's homesick from work, and I always like to turn the furnace off when I record because it makes for a quieter recording, less of that background hiss and stuff. Well, I thought, she's not going to be too happy with me if I go in the kitchen here and set up all my gear and kill the heat in the house. It probably wouldn't be good for her health right now either. She needs to get over this thing, and she's also taken the, I think, the same same medicine that Jackson's taken. I have avoided it with my um, my iron constitution and immune system, pumped up by eating lots of Tabasco sauce and other disinfectants. So I've, I've escaped it so far, but so for this episode... I just came out here to the uh, tack room in the barn, and I, I ran the little space heater for about 15 minutes before I came in here. Then when, then I just set up the iPod, and I'm sitting out here. It's a little chilly out here, but this is something that I really wanted to talk about, this whole counting off thing. I, w- I went to a jam session last night playing Dobro and, you know, experienced these things a couple of times. And and I don't mean that as any any slight to the guys down at Pat's place. I really like playing with those guys. But these things happen. They happen at that jam session. They've happened at every jam session I've ever been to. And they occasionally have happened on stage. And that is, it, it's this. Somebody kicks off a tune, and the whole band doesn't really have the tempo in mind at that first downbeat. And they either miss the first downbeat or they all hit the first downbeat. But then the second beat, they're apart. Because one guy felt it was going about 100. One guy felt it was going about 104. And one guy felt it was going about 108. Well, if if you're running on those feelings, that second beat is not going to be correct. Well, then what happens to the third beat? And then the fourth. And it may take... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten beats before the tempo so, sort of settles in. This happens all the time at jam sessions. And it happens sometimes with not so good bands when they're performing, sadly. You know, that stuff should be all solved at rehearsal and at individual practice and so on. But it's that little tug of war, that tempo tug of war. It's like everybody's seeking the beat, seeking the tempo. Well, all I'm saying is it's not as difficult to find that tempo, the the intended tempo, if you count them off. Just count them off. So I used to make all my students practice counting off. Now, how do you learn to do it? You might say, well, (laughs) I, I, I can't count them off. I know a guy, fiddle player, and we were recording him, 
And I, I would say, well, can you count it off? Because the other guys need that count off so that they know the tempo you're going to play at. And he would do all these crazy things. He would count to five, one, two, three, four, five, play. Or he'd just go one, play. <laughs> he didn't really kind of get this whole thing. He just wanted to play his little kickoff and have you guys read his mind and then play with him in perfect time. That's what he wanted. There's nothing. I'm not faulting him for lack of musicianship. Great fiddle player. And once you knew his tempos, and if you listened carefully to the kickoffs, you could pick it up. You only had a half a second to pick it up instead of maybe three seconds. But you could sound really good, but you had to follow him. You had to really pay attention and follow him. That's the way it usually takes place on stage. But it's just simply that if it's a skill, counting off, it's a skill like tying your shoes. If you don't ever try to learn to tie your shoes, you're never going to learn to tie your shoes. So if you don't try to learn to count off a song in a good way, you're never going to learn to do it. So make yourself do it, especially if you're a beginner, intermediate. And I would say even some advanced players probably could use a few lessons in counting off. I've seen this a lot in the studio. It's critical in the studio, especially when you're doing overdubs. And by overdubs, I mean everybody's not playing at the same time. You might be recording the bass and guitar alone. And then the mandolin player is going to come in later and do his part, and the banjo player is going to do his part. That's overdubbing, multi-tracking, and then you put it all together. Or you would have this if you were doing some home recording and you laid down a guitar track and then you went in and put in a bass track and then and you kept adding parts. That count-off is critical because I challenge you to go in the studio and come in on the downbeat, the first beat, accurately, with no count-off. In the studio, it's always done. Sometimes it's done with clicks. I personally like count-offs because I know where the downbeat is. That'll be one. Anyway, you learn to do it by studying it. And I'm not really going to teach you in this episode all the ins and outs of, of counting-off songs, Mostly just kind of want to impress upon you how helpful it can be to making better music. Because who wants to hear that first, you know, eight bars of a tune where everybody's playing out of time and the bass player's a half beat off and the mandolin player's early and the banjo player, he's playing at one speed and the guitar player's playing at another speed. Nobody wants to hear that crap. You don't want to hear that crap. And a good way to fix that is to learn to count off and also learn to listen to count-offs and understand them. So learning to count-off will help you understand other people and how they count-off. And then you got to do it. I used to make my students count-offs, count stuff off. I'd say, okay, count it off. You only learn by doing. I can explain it, which I'm not going to really do here in this episode, but you got to do it. Take it upon yourself to learn how to count-off. All right, let me turn to my next page of my massive stack of notes here, and let me t talk a little bit about Bluegrass Time. This is a Bluegrass podcast for 
people who play bluegrass music or are learning to play bluegrass music. So I'm only going to talk about a very limited different kinds of time signatures and ways of thinking about time. Because frankly, most bluegrass falls into two categories. It's either two beat, and that's 95% of the songs, or it's three beats. When I say two beats, what I mean is there's a repeating pulse that is happening every two beats. If you listen to the bass player in most bluegrass songs, 95% of all bluegrass songs, you're going to hear the bass playing two notes and keep repeating it and keep repeating it and keep repeating it. So it's a boom, 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 boom. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. That's 95% of all bluegrass songs. Then you also have the waltzes, which are one, two, three, one. Two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And both of those can be played at a huge variety of tempos. But the waltzes may be only 5% of the bluegrass songs. So I'm going to set the waltz aside. We're just going to concentrate on the two-beat form. Now, I'll tell you just, just as an aside that a lot of rock and roll is played four beats. So you think one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Not going to do that here. Because we don't play rock and roll here. We're playing bluegrass. So bluegrass is most of the time a two-beat rhythmic style. And just listen to that bass. I've got a little video, and I'll put a link on the show notes page to a little video I did that explained the basic bluegrass rhythm and the roles of the various instruments. You might have seen it. Go to the show notes page, go to grasstalkradio.com, slide down to this episode, which is way on down the page, to episode 99, and click that, and I'll put this video up there that visually and in audio form explains that basic bluegrass rhythm. Now, I know you already know this stuff, but you might you might learn something by by watching and listening to that. But basically, it goes like this. Here's your bass. Boom, 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 boom. That's one, two, one, two. And the mandolin goes in between them. One, chop, two, chop, boom, chop, boom, chop, boom, chop, boom, chop, boom, chop, boom, chop. And so that is counted as one and two and one and two and one and two and one and two. And and those ands are that mandolin chop. The guitar does both. Boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, strum, boom, strum, bass, strum, bass, strum, bass, strum, bass, strum, bass, strum, bass, strum. That little three-instrument trio is the bed of rhythm for the banjo, the dobro, the fiddle, and the mandolin when it's playing lead, or the guitar when it's playing lead, and so on. But the 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 rhythm section is bass, mandolin, and guitar. And it's doing boom, chick, boom, chick, one and two and one and two and one and two and one and two and. So what's the most logical way to count that off? How's about one and two and one and two and. I'm with my and syllables. I'm telling the mandolin player where to put your chop. With the one, two, one, two, I'm telling the bass player where to put his bass note. And I'm telling the guitar player where to put the bass and the strum. One and two and boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, 
So I'm telling them what I want before we even start. Okay. I'm not going to get in too deep here to how you can write this stuff out. Because in music, if you if you understand a little bit about reading standard notation or tablature, you'll know there's a thing called the time signature at the start of every piece of written music. So you might see, you know, a page full of staves, uh, full of notes, and it's all divided up in measures. Well, each one of those measures will have the same number of beats. And at the very start of the piece of music, it'll have a time signature, and it looks like a fraction. It'll have two over four. That's two four time. Or it might have three over four. That's three four time. Two four time. That's that time I'm talking about for bluegrass. Because that time signature, the top note, tells you how many beats per measure. So two four means two beats per measure. And the four means a quarter note will represent one of those beats. So in two four time, a measure, if you filled it up with quarter notes, would have two quarter notes. Now, if we switch to 4-4 four, four time, so that measure would look like four quarter notes. Boom, 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 boom. So it's really exactly the same as two 2-4 two, measures. If I wrote a song out in 2-4 and then wrote it out in 4-4 four, four and played them, they would sound identical if I played them at the same tempo. If I said a quarter note equals... 100 beats per minute, it doesn't matter if I write it in 2-4 or 4-4. I'm still going to play those quarter notes 100 times per minute. But bluegrass is organized in a repeating two-beat fashion, so I think it's better practice to write these things out in 2-4 time. Now, there's another thing called cut time, which... I'm not going to explain right now, but it, it essentially means, it's a little C with a line through it. Essentially, it means I'm going to write this out as if it's 4-4, four, four, but I want you to play it like it's 2-4. And truthfully, that's kind of how most bluegrass music is written out if you're looking at tablature. Although, you know, I've seen it a lot of different ways. But the point is, how it is written is not important here. What is important is knowing where those downbeats fall, how frequently, that's the tempo, and to know if there are notes prior to that first downbeat, where do they begin? So you have to extrapolate back into time before the song starts and figure out where does the beginning, where's the first sound I make really happen? I'll use the song Will the Circle Be Unbroken as an example because I think everybody has heard it and knows it. If I were to begin singing, Will the Circle, the syllable will comes on two. It's not on the downbeat. Sir of circle is on the downbeat. So it's, will the sir, 
circle is on one. That's the first downbeat. So you have to extrapolate backwards and go, well, where does will come? And where is the will, the, sir? That is two and one. So to do a proper count off, you got to know where your lead in starts. And if you got this crazy banjo kickoff that's like, well, that last note I sang right there, that's the first downbeat. You got to count back all those notes and figure out where did I start that thing. And then you got to count back in imaginary time and give people the count off. So you can go one, two, one, two, one. And there's the thing. Now, I will say this. If you've got a long, lengthy count-off, I mean, lead-in, like I just demonstrated, maybe that was some crazy banjo kickoff, sometimes they will just play a bunch of crazy stuff, and then they'll give you a little cue right at the end, like this. Well, that, that's your real lead in. Because when you hear, you know, bump is coming. You follow me? And I know on each of your individual instruments, you'll kind of understand this from your own perspective. But let me get back to will the circle being broken. If I was going to count off will the circle being broken, and I know. I want to kick it off. Let's say I'm kicking it off on the dobro and I want to play Will the Circle. And I'm going to play that on the dobro. I'm going to bring that first note, my first note in on two. And then I want everybody else to come in on the one that follows it. So I'd count it off like this. One, two, one. One, two. So I'm going to give them one, two, one. And then I'm going to play on two. And then they're going to come in on one. And that little freebie, one, two, one, is what helps them find that one. Because just a little is not enough information for them to accurately plant the first beat. Okay. Now, a lot of times, people will, instead, I'm doing it sort of like the proper way. One, two, one, two, and one. But you could count it off. One. Two, three, do do do. One, two, three, four, and one. That's sort of counting it off as if it were in four four time. The truth is, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, technically speaking, I think you probably ought to go one, two, one, two, and one. But for all practical purposes, you could go one, two, three, four, and one. And the song continues. So I'm not going to split hairs there. I'll take a one, two, three. Now, here's typically how if somebody looks at me and says, hey, Brad, let's play Will the Circle Be Unbroken. Why don't you kick it off on the dobro? I'll probably, first thing I'm going to do is try to find out what cut tempo. Oh, how fast do you want it? You know, where do you want it? You know, or maybe I played it with them before and I kind of got a basic idea of where they like it. Because I'm not going to sing it. Somebody else is going to sing it. Where does he sing it? Where do you? So I'll look to the lead singer and say, well, how fast do you want it? He'll go, ah, just kind of medium. I'm like, okay. That's step one. i got to get the tempo in my head because I'm going to kick it off on the dobro. Second step, 
I want to make sure everybody's ready. If the bass player and the man player are deep in conversation about the basketball game up on the monitor up there over my head, they're not ready. So what's the odds that they're going to come in on one or that they're even going to hear my count off and my lead in? So I want to make sure everybody's ready. You got their capos on, taking them off. Nobody's tuning. Kind of want to make a little quickie eye contact around the circle. And I might even say, hey, boys, are, are you ready? I want to see about 80% at least give assent to starting, you know, because if you kick it off and they're not paying attention, it's not going to be a good start to the song. So that's step two. First, try, get an idea of the tempo that they want. Second, kind of make sure everybody's ready and say, a lot of times at that point, I'll say, okay, boys. I'm going to give you three. And by that, I mean, I'm going to count three beats, and then I'm going to play my little kickoff. So I, I would say, all right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Key of A. I'm going to give you three. One, two, three. And I start playing. And by God, they better come in on one, or I'm going to be highly disappointed. You know what I'm saying? And if you're the one, who doesn't come in on one, especially if you're the bass player or the guitar player or the banjo player? Man on players, they got a little easier because they can hear one and then drop their and in, you know. As a longtime mandolin player, I know the advantages of that. You got about a millisecond to figure out a chord. You got about a millisecond to figure out a beat. You know, you kind of have some advantages there. But anyway, that, that's sort of my, my process. If, if somebody says, hey, kick it off, you know, get an idea of the tempo, make sure everybody's kind of sort of paying, paying attention, got their capos on and stuff, then say, okay, I'm going to give you three. Now, I might count that off as one, two, one, and then I'm going to start playing on two, and then they're going to come in on one on the first major downbeat. This really, really, really helps. People with good, solid count-offs bring the whole jam session or band together. And look, I have no problem with bands counting off songs on stage. A lot of times they kind of whisper it or they say it under their breath, but other people are hearing it. I'll come back to that in a minute. There are other ways to, to kick off a song aside from counting off. Counting off is great, but you don't always have to count off. And a great example of that is the famous old uh, eight potatoes. Let's say your fiddle player is going to kick off a fiddle tune. Well, he's probably not going to go one and two and one and two and because it's what's the point? His eight potatoes, his little. Dum digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom. That is the same has the same effect as a count off. Going one and a two and a 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 it's you know it's an instrumental version of a count off. So playing eight potatoes, you've heard guitar players kick off a tune. Doom digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom digga doom do do doom digga doom doo Mandolin players do it, fiddle players do it, guitar players do it, everybody does it. But, you know, if you don't want to do it, 
put the verbal count off in its place. Now, in studio settings, a lot of times they just have a click. They'll computer generate a little tick, and it'll go tick, 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 da da da, and you come in. Clicks are nice because they're real short and very defined as to exactly what point in time. They're, they're great for the editor later because he can see them on his waveform display when he's in his DAW, in his digital audio workstation. He can see that click. It's a real sharp spike. So it's not much question as to where in time that took place, which 30th of a second or whatever. The problem I have with clicks is I don't know which one is one and which one is two and which one is three and which one is four because they all sound the same. So sometimes you'll hear clicks that are different pitches. You'll hear tick, tuck, 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 tick, tuck, 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 tick, tuck, tuck, tuck. Well, I know which one is one because it's different. It's different pitch. But clicks, you better be paying attention, you know, because if it's three clicks and then you start, you know, you can't be daydreaming when the first click goes by. You're going to be late. But anyway, clicks, clicks are clicks are good. Um, if you are counting off, I do believe that you should count off very clearly and sort of percussively. Like, it, if I were going in to overdub a mandolin part on somebody else's tune, and I I got to come in and they counted it off like this. One, two, three, four. It's kind of hard to know exactly where that beat is. So it's better to be a little percussive with it. A little bit of one, two, one, two, one, and two, and one, and two, and. Because it, it, it creates a bit more precision. Anyway, here's a great example of just an absolutely beautiful count-off done by a friend of mine who worked at Watch and Learn. He, he also did video editing, as I did for them. This is probably back about 2008 or nine. Anyway, this is a Curtis Jones rhythm track. And by the way, I peddled these, these rhythm tracks on my site. I'll put a link to that on the show notes page. And so here he is... Uh, this is just a great, this is just a perfect count off. And I'll, I'll, I'll play Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Take it away, Toby. Will the Circle Be Unbroken in G at 75? One and two and one and two and. So, man. That is a professional count-off. <laughs> That's a good count-off. Okay. Now, the last thing I want to say here about um, count-offs is sometimes you don't have to do them. If you're a well-rehearsed band and you've played this song enough, you know the tempo. You know the tempo or pretty close where it's going to go. And you can dial in on it precisely by just a little instrumental kickoff. If you've rehearsed enough, you don't necessarily have to count things off. If the less rehearsal that you've had and the less playing time together, the more helpful it becomes, which means jam sessions and, you know, parking lot picking and stuff 
it becomes a lot more important if you care about the first 15 seconds of your song. If you don't care, you know, just turn this off right now. You know, if you don't really care how lousy the first 15, 20 seconds of a song is, as everybody plays tug of war and tries to find the beat. If you don't care about that, that's cool. I'm not going to, you know, rain on your parade and tell you how to live your life. You know, if it doesn't bother you for the first little bit of every song to sound like crap, well, you know, that's up to you. If it's still fun, go for it, you know. What I'm saying, though, is, um, you know, you'll see a lot of bands on stage not counting off songs, not even whispering them. It's just because they've rehearsed these things so much that I know exactly the kickoff that the banjo player is going to play. I know he's going to do da 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 I know it. I've heard it a million times. We've rehearsed it. I know exactly the speed we're going. I know where that downbeat is, and I know where I'm going to plant my offbeat. We've done this so much, and here's a, here's a good example of that. These guys, these bluegrass boys, and once again, I'm claiming fair use for educational purposes. These bluegrass boys and girl, they don't need a count off for this. They know how this kickoff goes. Ah, man. That's some fine stuff. Now, at jam sessions, you know, if you pick together a lot, if you if you just... Uh, you know, you got your little bunch that gets together, kind of like the bunch at Pat's place. They, they're playing the same songs week after week after week. They like playing those songs, and the crowd likes those songs. But they begin to learn, you know. It's it's a lot like rehearsing. It's not quite to the depth of rehearsing. But, you know, if you play a song every week for 52 weeks, you're going to have a pretty good idea of how, you know, Billy Bob kicked it off and what speed it's going to go. You know, so, but think about the, you know, the person that walks in the door and you say, hey, get your mantle and sit in with us. That person could use some count offs. So let me close this out first by a little commercial. Um, don't forget to go to BradleyLaird.com for all of my free instructional materials. And if you want to support the show, buy something. Buy something from my little store where I have all kinds of goodies for you mandolin, banjo, and guitar, and bass players, and dulcimer players. I got some stuff there that is, I think, a very good value and will help you learn to play. And if you like my style of teaching, you're going to like that stuff. The other thing you can do is become an official Grass Talk Radio supporter, which you'll also find in my little store where it says Grass Talk Radio Supporter. And basically, you can chip in any dollar amount that you you deem appropriate. I'm still holding out for that lottery winner to come in and chunk down about 50 grand. That would be really good. But if you only got five bucks burning a hole in your pocket, you can become a Grass Talk Radio Supporter and do that. The big points of this are, there is no shame in counting off if it makes for better music. So by that, I'm talking about when you're on stage. If your band will kick the song off better by you 
kind of whispering under your breath or even over the microphone. One, two, three. If that helps you guys play better, guys and gals, play better, do it. Nobody wants to hear a crappy first 20 seconds of any song. And being together, you know, everybody's mind is on that first downbeat. And being at the same tempo, that established tempo, gets you off on the right foot. If the first 15 seconds of a song sounds great, then the rest is likely to sound great, too. You don't want that tug of war. You don't want that people bumping into each other and trying to figure it out. It just, it's going to take a while before it gels. You know, that's not cool. And the last point is you can learn to do this. You can learn to understand count-offs. Take a little time. Study it. Think about those notes that happen, those lead-in or kickoff notes that happen before the beat and figure out what part of a beat do they start on. Are they starting on the end of one? Are they starting right on two or the end of two? And you could break it down into even in between those, the one-iana, two-ianas. But do a little study on it. There is a starting point where your kickoff begins, and it's on a certain beat or segment of a beat. And you can then extrapolate back forward in time and determine how to count it off. You can learn to do this. You want to hear some great examples? Go to those jam tracks where you heard Toby counting them off. He's counting them off beautifully. So you can learn to do this, and then you just have to practice. Practice at home. Don't play a song on your instrument without counting it off. But let's say you're playing a song, I don't know, like Jenny Lynn. Before you play it, go one, two, one. I had to stop and think there. I didn't know if it came in on one. Jenny Lynn does start on one. One, two, one, two. So play your tune. And if you're looking at tablature, you know, or, or music notation, you can just look at the paper and see, are there any, does it just start right at the beginning of a measure or does it start a couple notes before? Like Cripple Creek starts right before. Study it. Experiment with it. Ask for help from somebody that seems really good at it and practice it. And you're going to make your jam sessions better, better sounding. Make them first 5, 10, 15 seconds of a song sound just as good as the middle. And some, <laughs> in some future episode, we'll talk about endings because I think endings are possibly more important. Anyway, y'all have a great day, and I appreciate you suffering through this little iPod recording. And I'm, I'm now going to reach over and turn it off. Hopefully, I actually turned it on. Y'all take care, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Blackberry Blossom in G at 100. One and two and one and two and three.